Okay, welcome to Think Jewish. Tonight's class is called Are You in Search of True Love? And uh, we'll soon see how this gets into this week's Torah portion, the Torah portion of Tiruma. But for first, when we talk about are you in search of true love, obviously we've got to first define what true love is, and then we can define whether we're willing to take that search or not. But what is true love? True love, <laughs> true love is true oneness. We're going to define love today as oneness. When two become one. And in love, there is regular love and there's true love. And both of them define themselves by oneness, but how far does the oneness go? How much of thyself is thou willing to give? And how much of the other are you willing to receive? So we're going to talk about today this concept of true love where one person is willing to do two things. Get lost in the other and allow the other to get lost in them. But to understand this, I want to back up a moment. I want to talk about a statement that Aristotle said. They caught Aristotle doing something which wasn't so appropriate. And they asked him, Master, you, Aristotle, who has taught us the finest, how could you? And he answered, does a mathematician become a triangle? When we talk about true oneness, what is the definition of true oneness? Most people who want to express love would say, oh, I can finish his sentence for him, or I can finish her sentence for her, meaning that I know them. I know the way they think, I know who they are, I know what they like, I know what they feel. We define knowing as oneness, because ultimately speaking, that is the greatest oneness that we can have. To know the other, to truly know the other. However, most often, he and his knowledge is not one. And we notice, very simply speaking, when a person knows what's right, doesn't mean that they're going to do what's right. Many smokers know that it's wrong to smoke, and they'll even discuss it with you while they light up the next cigarette. So to know is to be isn't true. And therefore, if I know how you think, doesn't necessarily say that I know who you are. In the definition of love, one of the greatest problems you'll have when two people that are trying to have this relationship of love is that one feels that the other is holding back. They have a secret. They don't truly let me know them and that becomes the problem in a love relationship and here I'm suggesting that it's not only that he or she is holding back a secret but he or she doesn't know what it means to be what you think 
Backing up a moment. <laughs> I saw your eyebrows. <laughs> what does it mean when a person does not live in, in inner peace and inner congruency? What happens when someone knows better and yet isn't willing to be? That's the question here. The person who lives with inner congruency, inner peace, then it's very simple. To know me is to know me. While if the person themselves is not living in inner peace, then to know me is not to know me because I myself am not what I know. Did that make sense to you people? Or am I completely confusing you today? <laughs> A little bit? Very confusing. Not you speak one thing. You speak one thing and you're another's malicious. You think and you know one thing and you are something else is not malicious. That is an ultimate inner struggle. I'm not talking about being malicious. I'm not talking about trying to be deceitful, misleading misrepresenting yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you find a person with true inner conflict, inner confusion, that they themselves struggle. What they know is not who they are, and they struggle with that. So if to myself, right, that famous saying, to thy own self be true. But if you struggle with that, not because you struggle with honesty. It may be a whole bunch of stuff. It may be you strive and understand that which you cannot achieve and feel. It may be you're dealing with a lack of self-control. But whatever it may be, you cannot truly lose yourself in what you passionately know. Because somewhere you're in conflict with what you passionately know. And therefore to know is not to be. <laughs> she lost track. Okay. Not every rabbi can lose everyone in the crowd within the first five minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's try to get this straight. Interesting enough, usually we talk about ourselves and that allows us to be able to connect with the abstract, which is God. I think because today we're in such an uncomfortable zone of knowing thyself, I think it'll be easier to talk about God and then from there try to understand ourselves. So let's go back to here. When it comes to knowing God, and let's talk about why I speak about this on this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion opens up with what verse? You shall take unto me what? A donation. This was the first fundraiser that ever went the building campaign for the Jewish people. Moses was told to run a building campaign to build a Mishkan, right? It's also the first building campaign ever where the fundraiser told the people to stop giving. But be it as it may, that's how it starts. And you shall take unto me a donation. Truma. Now, if you look at the mystical teachings on this, 
Number one, the yikhuli can be two meanings. Take unto me, or it could be take me. The word teruma in the teachings of Kabbalah actually breaks into two words. Torah mem. The Torah that was given in 40 days. And thus our sages say, when you're learning Torah, you're not taking my knowledge, you're taking me. Oisi atem loichem. Me you are taking. Why is that so? Is God intellect? No, God is not intellect. To call God intellect is to commit idolatry. You cannot give God any form or shape. Intellect is a form or shape. A spiritual one, but it is a form or shape. So what does it mean when you study Torah, you're taking me? Torah is intellectual. God is not intellect. One of God's manifestations, emanations is intellect. But it's not he. So we turn to the first word of the Ten Commandments. The first word of the Ten Commandments is actually not Hebrew. The word Anochi. And our sages say, why does it start with Anochi instead of Ani? Because that word Anochi is an acronym. I, my soul, my essence, have placed in my writing. And therefore, God's telling us, Torah is not my intellect. I have placed myself in my Torah. And thus, when you're studying Torah, you're not just learning how to think Jewish, but rather you should know when you're learning Torah, you are actually digesting, becoming one, encompassing and being encompassed by the essence of God. And that is why the Alter Rebbe Tanya writes that there is no physical union of oneness which can be compared even as a parable to the oneness that happens when you study Torah. When you study Torah, your mind digests, absorbs, and it's being absorbed. The example is that you are being hugged by the king and simultaneously hugging the king. But again, physically, there is no union where two don't just connect, but rather two completely become one. It's not I remain I and you remain you, and I and you have become one, but rather there is the total loss of I, the total loss of you, because the I and the you have fused into one. And that's why when you learn the Shema, what does it mean? The word vishinamtam, to teach it. So the Rashi also learns out from this word, extrapolates in the name of our sages. Vishinamtam vishinunim b'ficha. Even if I wake you up and you're half groggy and I ask you a question in Torah, you belt it out to me. Because it's become so one with you. That type of oneness, if we understand that Torah is God, because God has placed His very essence into Torah, so when I eat Torah, when my brain digests Torah, it is becoming one with God. And God is becoming one with it. That is a type of unity and oneness which we don't know what that means. You watch artists, you watch musicians, you watch the painful body language 
because they are trying to do what God did. When you watch a musician or when you watch a composer and you see literally not a smile on his face, you see somewhat pain, fusion, it's just you're watching them enraptured. It's because they're trying to do what God did. They're trying to put the very essence of being into their peace. And yet ultimately, they struggle. So if someone was in absolute love with Mozart, that person would obviously have to breathe Mozart's music. And yet nevertheless, even there, Mozart is not his music. His music is not he. And that's why ultimately speaking, these great artists struggle because they know that. They know that we marvel at that work, at their work, and they're somewhat disgusted at that work, at their work, because their work is never the true reflection of the impetus of their being into that music, into that drawing, into that writing. And therefore, for a great musician or a great artist of any sort, which if you want to talk about true love, one would hypothesize that if you want to see true love, see Mozart at his piano. I don't know exactly where that leaves his, leaves his wife in the relationship, but uh, they probably did their own therapy. But if you want to know what true love is, just watch him at his piano. There's love going on there. There's a fusion of one. He's not presenting music. He's presenting living pieces of his being. And yet it's not true. When we talk about learning Torah, not as the wisdom of God, but rather there's the teachings of our sages based in the Talmud Yerushalmi, I believe, the Jerusalem Talmud, that says, The Ma'or, the source of life, light, which is found in the Talmud, in the Torah, will bring them back. Therefore, even a person who's studying Torah and maybe isn't really in sync with the teachings and the lifestyle of Torah. However, when they learn Torah, it's not about personal grandiose. It's also not about their intellectual pursuit, but rather they're open to everything we just spoke about. That the essence of God is in his Torah, and they're open to that, then the essence of the God within the Torah will do its magic for that soul. Because love is unity, and that oneness will bring the soul back to where it belongs, and thus the person's lifestyle will change. I told you it's easier this time to talk about God because it doesn't make us uncomfortable. But if we were to think about what we're talking about and how that reflects itself in human relationships, so first of all, you know, you ever watch these shows and they tell you, do not try this at home? Mm -hmm. Don't try this at home. And don't try this with someone you love because you're going to get hurt. It's a total new arena. 
if you could first try it with yourself and God, which is a safe arena, then from there we can maybe start dealing with other humans that way. But let's talk, talk about what, what we're presenting here. What does it mean to get lost in anything? What does that mean? To get lost, just lose yourself in, right? That's our picture of love. That's our picture of love. Can I just get lost in it? Total forget myself, total forget time, space, anything. To be able to do that, to be able to open up, and not in a selfish way, not in a pursuit of self-fulfillment, whether it be physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, whatever it may be. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about here to be able to bring down the walls. We're talking about here to be able to pursue something in total, absolute completion. There's actually, I sent out this video in my weekly email one time. I think his name is Eric Thomas. And he's, uh, the video is about him talking to, uh, to um, high school kids, and they were in some special program. It was a minority, and they were struggling, and he, to he starts off his talk to them with a very interesting story, a famous story, that this guru, a business guru, and the guy wanted to speak to him and you know, find out how to become a millionaire. He told me, if you want to find out how to become a millionaire, you'll meet me tomorrow at the beach at 6 a.m. He shows up at the beach, 6 a.m., all dressed in a suit, and the guru tells him, follow me, and they start walking into the water. And the guru is saying, the guy's like, hey, I'm dressed up in a suit, and you know, I, what do we do? Just follow me. And finally, he takes him out till he's up to here in the water, and then the guru grabs his head and puts it down in the water. And the guy's fighting and fighting to get up from here. The guru picks up his head, lets him take one breath, and right back down. And then finally the guru lets it, picks up his head, lets him go. And he says, you wanna be rich? What did you feel when I put your head underwater? You would give anything for air. When you're ready to do that in your business, you're now on the road to become rich. For what we're talking about tonight is most of us will never go into anything being willing to drop all our, war, all our walls and to get lost there. Now, I'm not suggesting, I know in the ever blessed memory we talk about this concept that God placed himself in his writings. The Rebbe would say it's a deacon, the righteous ones, because the Talmud says that the righteous are compared to their creator, they too can do it. From hearing that sentence from the Rebbe over and over, I hypothesize and extrapolate that it's a wonder that Tzaddikim could do it because the average human cannot do it. We cannot do it. We spoke about the artists. We spoke about really being able to give yourself over. It's interesting that in the entire teaching of Chassidus that I've come across, I'm not saying that it's not there, but from what I've learned so far, the only example there is given for that type of total self-loss, of giving the essence of your being over, is what a male passes on to produce a child. Even in the greatest teacher-student, even Elijah at the moment of death, when he gave double the portion to his student, even then, 
We don't talk about being able to transmit essence. Transmit essence is something which is impossible other than the one example I just told you. Two people create a third being. There was a transmission of essence. In a student-teacher relationship, no one creates, they only form. The student comes in with a head, and the teacher forms the way of thinking of the head. So transmission of essence is not something that's easy. From what I'm suggesting, from what I understood from the Rebbe's statements, that only tzaddikim that are compared to the creators, I'm sharing with you that we can't do that. Because it is impossible for us to drop every single wall that exists between the essence of my being and expression. And why is it impossible? Not because I'm holding it back from you. I can't do it to myself. Expression of essence is something which is impossible for the human. I shouldn't use the word impossible. But let's call it nearly impossible. So when we talk about in anywhere in our life, when you listen to Anthony Robbins, he's trying to, you know, awaken the tiger and the this and the that. It's all beautiful. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about to awaken the tiger and go out there and then, you know, be a predator. We're talking about the simplicity of being able to express your deepest self in anything that you do. I write. That's what I do. It's amazing that when I even get sorely close to some inner chambers of my thoughts and hearts, when I write, I feel very uncomfortable and fragile when I look at that writing. And you can be sure that no human will see it. And in the past, I've usually ended up deleting it. That's how difficult it is. And I'm not even talking about sharing myself with another. I'm talking sharing myself with myself. So when you talk about true love, pursuit of true love, most of us use those words without even knowing what we're saying because we're not nearly close to letting anyone have that from us. Neither are we willing to have to deal with the awesome responsibility of letting someone else share their essence with us. Most of us appreciate relationships like a job, 40 hours a week. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Think how many times after X amount of times when you got all bells ringing when you saw her name on your cell phone screen and those bells go away eventually and eventually becomes burdensome. Not because she's a bad person, but because when you signed up for this true love, you didn't know what you were talking about, and I really don't need her to share everything with me. Nor do I like that she wants me to share everything with her. Like, hello, there's a place where you end and I begin. Can we keep it that way? True love is not an easy situation. We don't know how to truly live that way. I will share with you that it's not healthy to live that way 24-7. For example, 
when you learn Chassidus and you learn about all these intimate, romantic essence, everything about the Torah, try feeling that when you're preparing for your rabbinical test. You're going to fail. Because this isn't a time for romance. It's a time to know your material, cram it in, get ready for the test, belt it out, bench goyimel that you pass the test, and move on. That's what it's really all about. Go ahead and try to sit down with the love of your life, planning a budget for your honeymoon. Just try doing that with bells in your ears, Google eyes, feeling love, Really? Numbers? Is that what we're talking about? What we could do and what we can't do? <laughs> Sky's the limit. Because you can't do that. You can't function like that. There's a relationship that has to manage without romance. But then there's these ultimate moments that you need to know that I could have something close to this with this individual. And that's what we're learning with this Vigikhuli Trumah. It's amazing. It starts with the most romantic concept of all. The Yikuli Truma, you'll take not just for me, you will take me. And then it gets even more romantic. And I will, my essence will rest within each and every one of you. Did you read what goes on after that? Okay. I want a two and a half hours by one and a half hour by one and a half hour. If you're off, death penalty. And that goes into the Holy of Holies. And if you go into the Holy of Holies, death penalty. What happened to this whole I mean, I thought it was you and I, God, right? No beginning, no end. But you need to have both. You need to be able to have somewhere within you in a relationship where you're willing to bring down your walls. And that's what I'm going to share with you again. Do not try this with a human before you've tried this with God. Because with God, you won't get hurt. With a human, you will get hurt. Not because a human wants to hurt you. But the human's going to get frightened and not know what to do. You're entering into an arena with each other which is not children's play. And most of us are emotionally children. Were I to really be brutally honest with all of us, I would actually say dysfunctional children. But let's leave it for today just at the word children. I reversed the whole class because I was watching your eyebrows. <laughs> so I went to God first and then came back. But I just want to line it up straight. What I'm sharing with you here is that when you're looking for true love, you're looking for, let's just hypothesize. You guys are going to find someone you'll hopefully be married to for 50 years. You're looking for, without the, with, throughout the 50 years, maybe 50 moments of which you can absolutely say there was an absolute oneness. An absolute oneness. And by the way, a lot of times absolute oneness does not happen in active interplay, whether it be physically or verbally. A lot of times it happens in silence. 
lot of times it happens just in the fleeting glance of eyes meeting. But there was a moment where you gave not just of yourself, you gave yourself. V'yikhu li. I've allowed you to take me. That doesn't have to come with caresses. It doesn't have to come with conversation. It doesn't have to come with a candlelight dinner. But v'yichu li. You've taken me. I've allowed myself to completely be vulnerable, vulnerable to the best of my capacity and just totally express thyself. Greater than that, I've allowed you to do that with me. Just be able to let me see your inner child just the way you are. Vulnerable, brilliant, strong, scared. All of it together. V'yichu li. A true essence moment. And yet, nevertheless, know that while you're looking for that in your partner in life, don't expect to have that 24-7. And don't get hurt and start feeling lonely when you don't have that. Because as much as we're here so romantically saying, what God really wants you to do is back up and really understand what the law is. Don't get lost in the romance. Understand the law, what's kosher, what's not kosher. Just understand what you have to do and what you don't have to do. What's kosher tefillin, what's not kosher tefillin. What's kosher behavior, what's not kosher behavior. So if you want to talk about what the definition of ultimate true love is, is to be able to spin on a dime between those two realities. To be able to spin on a dime and hear that this is the essence of God, not his intellect, not his bridge to heaven or hell, not nothing. It's him. And then the next moment, be able to let go of that because this him wants you to focus with a brain and with a heart. Get the job done. That's true love. One without the other is not true love. To give everything of yourself but not yourself is not true love. To get lost in only giving yourself without being able to strategically give of yourself, that's not love. The V'yikhuli Truma is telling you both concepts of the Torah. The essence of the Torah, Torah is the seed of God. He has placed his entire essence into it. But also, there's the entire logic and constitution of our relationship within that Torah. Does it make more sense now? Yeah? Okay, I'm going to finish right here. Thank you, guys.